0: live coming at you from the 60712 it is the j3 amateur hour podcast welcome everybody to the j3 amateur hour podcast We're
1: recording from a new studio i'm your host jordan i'm here with this is josh and Yoel. guys big event coming up this week
2: can we first talk about that intro music real quick sure overrated
1: stones had, no had, had, way. With, with the, new, the new
2: tour, you had to do it,
1: huh? With the new tour. I have tickets. I'm going June 2024. I'm very excited.
2: Hey, very nice. Okay.
0: I had no idea what it was. They're over, <laughs> very overrated. Bad. I was anticipating with our- with our <laughs> Those are fighting <laughs> words. <laughs> I was anticipating with our guest today, it was going to be Yusha Lime shells to have, but I guess not. Oh, that would
2: have been good.
1: Yeah,
0: but obviously it's Jordan does the music. Of so. course. Moving on. Josh,
1: you are making a Bar mitzvah this weekend.
2: I am. I am indeed.
1: So which show is it at?
2: The show is called Ateras Ayala.
1: What is it? What do you mean by that? It's a
2: makeshift uh, synagogue we're making this week.
0: Yoel, thoughts on that? Many thoughts. First of all, <laughs> where do you normally dab in? Uh,
2: <laughs> Kins, uh, Kins North.
0: Kins North. And yeah. you didn't want to do it there? I mean, I've made four bar mitzvahs, and yeah. a, a lot of times. I was a little flex. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it, it's always, I mean, the best is just a good venue, which is spacious, and there's just, there's room, and it's not crowded, and you don't have to, like, set up on top of things. But, I mean, is Kids North a large enough <laughs> the location? The is not it's, a big enough place?
2: Uh, no, I think the room that we generally dive in is not big. It's not, uh, you know, it's not very, condu- it's a temporary location, so it's not very conducive to a... Uh, you do could, and you couldn't set up in the gym?
0: I didn't even ask, honestly. You, you couldn't drape the walls?
2: I could, but I just figured, you know, this plus is an easier walk for people in six, oh, seven, one, two. So I didn't want anyone to really walk too far. So, so, so more central location. It,
1: the entire event is geared towards the Linkwood crowd. That would be coming. it's geared
2: towards anyone that's wanted like a central location. It's a I, bit
1: out of the way for people in the uh, West it's Somewhat,
2: but it's supposed to be hopefully good weather, so it shouldn't be too big of a position.
1: Do you have a Rav presiding over the bar mitzvah?
2: A Rav will be speaking, I hope, but not not davening there. Which one? Or by Aaron tag.
0: Oh, very nice. Isn't he supposed to be at Kins North? He's a great follower of this uh, pod as well. Isn't he supposed to be at Kins North? <laughs> he is. he will be there.
2: He's coming after after, oh, he's, coming after. he's gonna come. He's gonna so, walk over after.
0: So during services, no rabbi. Correct. It's free for all. We have somebody monitoring. <laughs> <laughs> um, is, does the eruv extend to a Teresiyala? Uh It does. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, it does. Yeah. Okay. Are you nervous that because you're not doing it at a at an actual shoal that you're not gonna have a minion on time? I'd prefer if we don't actually, so we can take a little longer, so Rabbi Tech can walk. You know what time is he supposed Michelle? to speak?
2: I think eleven thirty. What time
0: <laughs> What time is she'll called? Oh,
2: Gore? we we are bringing an acapella group, so it's gonna be a little bit longer. Oh gosh. Like, uh, who? Gorf? Six
1: <laughs> thirteen. No, how Gorf. Jordan, Gorf? Jordan Gorfinkel,
0: Gorf- legend. No, <laughs> Chicago legend. Do your homework, Josh. Uh, it's true. I should. Uh, no, so whatever. You know, hopefully
1: it'll be. Uh, so it'll, it starts what time? Nine o'clock. 9 a.m. Okay, and is every like listeners to the pod, are They invited.
0: They're all invited. Yeah,
2: those. This will probably come out after the bar mitzvah. <laughs> so yes, everyone's invited.
0: Everyone's I, invited. Are you said it. What type of seating is? It, is it tables? Um, have you thought about this? I have not. I have not.
2: I'm really not involved in that aspect of it.
1: Will there be kid kids groups at the uh, bar mitzvah? There will not be. No. So what am I supposed to do?
0: I don't know. Figure it out. Why can't you hire? <laughs> Three yeah, hire girls. a couple babysitters. Do you want to run $45? Jordan,
1: Jordan? I don't want to. I want to uh, utilize. <laughs> They're welcome to like, run
2: around the place, I guess.
1: Is there a kiddish club area?
2: We can make one. Okay. Yeah.
1: Not that I would do it. Okay. <laughs> maybe, maybe it sounds like 11 1130. <laughs> we I'll look forward it. to celebrating Ayala's mitzvah. So I mentioned, I don't know why, Teresa Ayala, you should cover the A on the I, outside. I mentioned that to my wife. and like like She's, just, she's very it. into
0: it, so we might do that. I think you should. Uh, okay. Last yeah. question. How uh, over budget are you? Extremely. Like 50% it's, it's over? It's causing
2: me a lot of stress right now. Way over. I mean, Did you bu- actually budget or just no, in your mind No, my own, you had my own budget. I had my mind budget. It's way over that. Okay. So not happy.
0: And your wife was able to work? She was trying to work with a budget?
2: Uh, sure. You- <laughs> we'll go with that.
1: And what are you doing for a kid's party? People, uh, you know, many remember that I had two separate <laughs> bar mitzvah parties, uh, one at the Purple Hotel and one jointly with a couple other families, which was the Schechter way. Um, at Sluggers, what are you doing for the party? At the, the Lincoln Park location? Yeah. No, the Wrigleyville
0: location. The, the Schechter way was to... Clark. <laughs> okay, it's the same difference. No, it's oh, not. okay. The
2: Schechter way was to
1: combine
0: bar You numbers. had to... The rule
1: was that you had to have a, have a bar mitzvah party that the entire grade was invited to. So because we had something like 130 kids, so many people would do a bar mitzvah party, invite you know close friends from your grade, but then you do it with two or three other students and combine for a party that had your whole grade. And that way you could check the box. Was it uh-huh. just bo- was it just boys? No, the grade included. No, I girls.
0: understand that, but I'm saying the hosts of your party. Yes. Because I had classmates who had their best missus at the age of 13, I think.
1: Did okay. you really? I never yeah. heard of that
0: before. I'm pretty sure. Or maybe not. Maybe they just landed. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so tell us what the Barber's mitzvah Party <laughs> um,
2: is. What The party's going to be at Skokia Shiva.
0: What's it going to be? What does that mean? Sports like a
2: learning sports thing? Sports party? I don't know. At the, at the gym. At the gym, yeah. A tournament, perhaps? Some type of tournament, yes. Really? Wait, interesting. I heard about <laughs> wait, what's, something what's, like what's that. Wait, wait a
1: second. Oh, no, no, no. I heard about something like that taking place last night. That's, I won't get into for another the Bar specifics, but yes, that is true. So you copied
0: uh, the Zatz Barmitzvah.
2: I won't get into that, but let's just say that one of us had the idea at first,
0: and it wasn't them. <laughs> wait, but <laughs> how do you have a sports party? And you're, what, like a couple weeks away? No, so this no, no, week. it's this this week. Oh, yeah. so, oh, so this week, you're There's doing, you're doing like, a party, but you have no
2: idea no, no, what I, type of party it is? No, it's a tournament. It's like, I'm not like arranging is it. Is it, but it basketball? It's basketball, yeah. yeah. Okay. So who's arranging it? You have a party planner for a basketball tournament? I mean, the party planner is running everything. That includes the party. The actual Saturday Night Events. I don't know exactly what it is, but it's something in the gym, and it's something to do with
0: basketball. Do they know basketball? I mean, I know a few things about basketball. You should switch to dodge dodgeball.
2: It's it's like there might be part dodgeball. I think actually that would be so fun. part
0: dodgeball, part basketball, something like that. Is that if what you, you have for the kids <laughs> that don't like basketball, if you have dodgeball, I would love to get in on that, <laughs> like <laughs> Billy Madison style. Could adults attend? <laughs> of course, yeah. Kai choose to attend that. I want just not the you can walk you all can, the way to yes, uh, absolutely.
2: It's, it's you know come come as you are. I think we might do that.
0: Is it going to be alcohol served?
2: To the, night? to the like yeah, a to the kids, to the bar, party? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Is Jordan going to be there serving?
1: I'm going to be taking.
2: I don't know. It's not part of the plan. I don't think it's on the budget.
1: Okay, yo. Moving on to you. Um, You had um, a little bit of a health thing this past week.
0: You want to tell us a little bit about that? So I had uh, age of 45. I was recommended to me multiple times by my father to go get a colonoscopy. Okay. Can I
2: can I say one thing there? Sure. You know, it it changed from 50 to 45 this year. Yes. Or last year. So until now, 50 was the age.
0: Then I was. It was. I was always told like 50 is the age, but unless you have it in your family, 45. But for some, my father's been like pushing it for years to go to his doctor. So I'm like, all right, whatever, why not? So then the first part is you get to choose how you get to clear out your system. I think this might be a little inappropriate no. for the Tamar Freeman episode. Should we this for the next one? No, this like is like what are we doing? Here? This is medical. This is, this <laughs> no, is a medical okay, situation. L- let him finish. Let him this finish. saves lives. This is fair. Yeah. Yes. This is very important. Okay. For what do you mean? What,
2: like, which type of drink you could have? Is that no,
0: no, no? There's like pills you could take, or you can like chug this like gallon right. of stuff. Right. So I chose the challenge of chugging the gallon because I do enjoy drinking. Okay. And for some reason, my wife didn't understand because she's you know had to have these you know tests before and. For some reason, I wasn't able to eat for, like, 48 hours before, and I had to, like, clear out for, like, two days before, so I lit didn't eat. And my appointment was at, like, 3 p.m., and I didn't end up doing until 5 p.m. Most people often get morning. first thing in the morning, right. which I'm recommending people to do, but I didn't, so I was basically fasting for two and a half days. Um, but it was, it was actually, you know, it was of the best sleep. You know, so <sighs> you go in and you clear out, and... You know, you're like a little nervous, and then you just you they they put you out and little like a like a twilight or something like that, and then you just wake up, and then you just go back to sleep again, and then you come home, and then you just go back to sleep again. Do you and, remember
2: anything about the actual procedure? No, but no. I,
0: right, I do not, and but also like when they brought me back, I'm like, oh, did they just bring me back? Like, no, you've been sleeping here for 45 minutes. <laughs> so I'm like, why'd you wake? And like, well, because we're closing. So. Uh-huh.
2: I do have a comment about your last episode, boys. By the way, well done. Uh, well done, Nachum. The Chinese food call when you said, it just depends how hungry you are. It all tastes the same. Yeah. Big problem with that. Why? Because there's a lot of Chinese food that's just awful. Even if you're hungry, it's bad. And there's other Chinese food that's incredible. There's a vast difference between but it's good all Chinese like this, food and bad Chinese food. Huge it's, difference.
0: It's all like, you know, it's like sweet or- It's all, it's, I guess, cooked the same way, but it savory tastes or a or lot s- different. Sour or whatever the-, the the, you know, I, I will say that and, if, and, 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 and like the meat tastes like the chicken, and the chicken tastes like the no, meat. It just tastes if you're like,
2: hungrier, you do it, tastes better. I agree, but there are definitely you know what lev- your,
0: levels of Chinese food. What is your favorite Chinese restaurant, Josh? Shanghai
2: in Los Angeles,
0: hands jo- down. Jordan, have you been there? Yes, many is it, times. Is it good? Yes, is it better than Mitsuyan? <laughs> <laughs> Did you have Mitsuyan? Yeah, of course, okay, I don't know. I don't, the guy
1: was like right by the front, the entrance. Yeah. He had his yeah. office there. Yes. Yeah, I remember that place. <laughs> no. I don't. I don't think I ever ate there, but we definitely took food out from there. What about Lee Chow? Lee Chow, I had from. It it's all I don't know. It's definitely the takeout. same. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, to, I, yeah, I, don't I know. actually got. I, pretty, I was
2: listening while I was swimming, and I got pretty angry. When you, said that.
1: you know, yeah. I'll, I'll say it's hard to say, I think, because living in Chicago, we only have one option. I feel like we've always only had one option. Yes. One closed, another one open. So it's like there's nothing to compare it to except when you travel, I guess, and you get to go to a place.
2: Well, most cities have, have good kosher Chinese. Most oh, big
1: cities. Right. But I don't live in such a city. But so, you've so i have been to New York. You've been to L.A. You've been to, right? So you've had, yes, you've so had, had good had Chinese. Chinese. Yeah. I will say I think Shanghai is very, very good. But I'm almost leaning towards you all. Moving on. Tonight, we are privileged to have a very special guest, Tamar Friedman. Tamar spent, I don't know, the last 40 years as a teacher and as a head of uh, the Judaics department at Hill Torah. Um, she happens to be an educator of all three of us, I believe. Josh, you're the oldest. When did you have Tamar Friedman as a teacher? I
2: had her in, I want to say, fourth grade. And the one thing I remember about her is... There was one day where she, I guess she had like a voice issue. She couldn't. The she microphone? Couldn't, yeah, I know. The clip-out microphone? But it was like it was like some torture device from like the Saw movies. It was like this weird box. I remember this like, like really like, uh, what's the word? among Vividly. Vividly. Where she was like, instead of just like, I mean, the room is like not a big room. It was a regular classroom. So you didn't need a microphone. It was just like, she was like whispering to this microphone instead of just like whispering regularly, which you could hear the almost the exact same way. I just thought that was pretty funny it still sticks out today okay <laughs> well,
1: it, it, interesting <laughs> anecdote no no you, I, well, i'll tell you about it it was I'll talk very a little bit about her no 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 no, no that's,
2: that's what i remember the
1: box because it was, i mean you when you were in fourth grade it was i know, 40 more. years ago so <laughs>
2: that's yeah <laughs> you'll
0: you say better but yeah that's what i remember yo all 100 the year later same issues and whispering into like a little microphone that was on her, you know, that she like under her, her sweater. Like or whatever. you never saw that before. Right. And then, like she would like talk into it, and it was and, like it was like old school. It wasn't like they have it like nowadays. It was like you know coming out of this big like uh, speaker. It's crazy. Box. And, and, and that's what it was. And, like no one's ever really like, seen. Like you've seen a microphone before, right. but you've never seen like something like that. Like she puts on. It on the desk. Like what, so, what's going on? So, here? but I, I will tell you what that, year. Hold on, what year was this approximately? And Josh was correct. We did have her in fourth grade. So, so that's from me was like 1985, maybe. He probably had Mrs. Golub in the afternoon, yeah. and then yeah. Mrs. <laughs> Fried in the he morning. Did. I mean, I know how this works. I did but i'm a little scared because i i caused a lot of uh, mischief in in her class i th- might have even been suspended once <laughs> due to her class what but did you do to be suspended i i was i was pretty bad in her class because you know as a child to us she was israeli like you know they just they must have just come i mean i know she's but she came up her and mrs morganstern were there and we like had them And sort of like a shark when they like you know taste blood in the water. (laughs) So like you sort of feel like okay we have another Israeli at Hillel Torah, and so then you you become pretty bad in terms of your behavior because like there's like that language barrier and stuff like that. Even though I mean her English is pretty good, but um, yeah, I was repeatedly thrown out. (laughs) And uh, but I did learn uh, safer Yoshua with her, so probably. So this was like 1987. Fourth grade, yeah, probably. We'll ask, there. I'm yeah. assuming we, yeah, this, this is one of her
2: first years, like this is one of her early yeah, years so. in, in Hilltora. I think it'll be, yeah,
1: probably
0: 1987. 1987.
1: Okay, so I actually did not have Tamar Friedman as a teacher. I switched to Hilltora in eighth grade, and Tamar was then the head of the Judaics department in my day, and she actually tested me to see, like, to if I, you know, like an aptitude thing, if I could come into Hilltora and keep up. I remember being in the room with her, uh, I came with my parents, and I was asked to eat, read uh, Chumish and Rashi. I could not do so. <laughs> but she was so enthusiastic, and it remains with me to this day. She, it, it didn't matter to her. She's like, okay, too, like doesn't matter. So was the, what, was the point of, what was the point of the test? I then? don't know to see if I could do it, but I was put in the high class anyways, and I, I was able to catch up or whatever, but uh, she was extremely excited and pushing for us to come and make the move. And uh, and we did. So you, you couldn't I read the Hebrew part of you couldn't read the Rashi? I couldn't part. read the Rashi. Got it. The Rashi script was not something we learned in Salman Schechter.
0: I do remember one more thing from okay, class. Yeah. She liked to peel grapefruit. We will ask her about During that. During class? No, yeah. So the strange thing part about it was that it would be peeled and it would just sit on the desk for hours. Peeled? And that was. Yeah, it was just like peel it. These are wild. But like, like the, you know, it was well, that's what you remember when you're that age. Yeah. You don't remember like the actual right.
2: like lessons. Oh, if you, yeah, right. If you, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, in
1: fourth grade. We probably all also were educated by um, her husband, who I consider to be my dear Rebbe, Rabbi Avram Friedman at the Yeshiva. I was in his shir for a summer, and then you know, over the years, I attended his Sunday morning shirim. I saw him today. Picked up one of his newer books. Uh, Josh, you learned one on one with Rabbi Friedman for a year.
2: I did. I did after I got
0: married I was in a sheer and then we learned uh, second Seder in his house and y'all I was in a I was in a sheer uh, I think maybe one uh, one year I think I believe
1: underrated I, the freemans are one of the powerhouse couples you know of the most dynamic people together educating Jewish Chicago in this city for many decades you know I think they are extremely appreciated by everyone but uh, hopefully tonight's interview will Shed a new light on on uh, Tamar Friedman personally, and also kind of bring that bring that appreciation even more to the forefront.
0: Yeah, looking forward, and I think we'll leave our our phone lines open for people to call in. Yep, absolutely. Hey,
1: Jordan, you get any emails after
2: the Nachum episode?
1: Uh, no, I have not. Okay, people have made some comments, but I think it's you know kind of starting slow. I think the numbers will pick up. We you know we had a hiatus for a while. And I think well, that now that we're recording again, people will jump back in.
0: I think after the whole, you know, Rebbe Ugent segments, you know, the three-hour episode, and then you forced us into <laughs> in, in, into like a vacation. Uh, it's been tough for us, for some of us, to come back at the same time. Um, well we won't get into it but we're all back and I'm, I'm very happy that we're all back together I look I forward Tamar to it think Tamar
2: Freeman is like the great uniter of, uh, of the pod and she I, is
0: and I do think the listeners care I, I do think they want <laughs> to know about all the drama behind us but maybe we'll, we'll put on, on a, a future episode we won't subject the Tamar
1: listeners to the drama but I think on a we can make future like, episode like, like a drama episode yeah. just talk about like we what, should, what goes where on where we behind air the scenes. out our grievances as yeah. well if we could be fully transparent and honest sure. I think that would be great like a
0: Seinfeld episode Y'all? never heard of Seinfeld but yeah <laughs>
1: Okay, we are very privileged to have with us in the studio tonight, Rebitson Tamar Friedman. Rebitson, first of all, for ease of conversation, is it okay if we call you Tamar tonight?
3: Right, take that. Take out the Rebitson. Take that's out the number Rebitson.
1: one. We also have uh, the daughter of Mrs. Friedman of Tamar that's in the studio. She won't be speaking, but she is accompanying us. So, just want to mention her presence.
0: A big fan of the show. A big fan of the show. Listen,
1: Nama Na- Goldstein. Nama Goldstein. She's m- listened to many episodes. Definitely. Definitely. Okay. First of all, we are all, we've mentioned this a little bit in the intro, but we are all students of Tamar Freeman. Tamar, do you remember, I mean, I wasn't that long ago, Yol and Josh, do you remember teaching them?
3: Of course I remember.
1: <laughs> Why don't you tell us a little I, bit about it? I'll tell you, uh, both please. of
3: them were extremely charismatic, that I remember. When Josh said something in class, Josh's word went, if I wanted the class to do something, I had to ask Josh
0: really get wow. them to do okay. it wow At least he was a natural leader <laughs> he
3: was a powerful force in his class no
2: I know, doubt i don't about remember it. that but i'll take I, it I,
0: I am surprised <laughs> growing up with josh for so many years i never knew that <laughs> I,
1: i'm also surprised but i'll take it thank you
0: and Yoel, uh a
1: little bit more trouble in the class would you say
3: no just Yoel was always uh, an athletic type you know <laughs> <laughs> oh that's but he a, you, you was just, also always very froom and you know very interested
1: frome, huh? even uh, in like
0: fourth grade Even then? All the time, Listen, I had to learn about how the walls of Yericho fell down. So (laughs) I I learned that from... Yeah. Nice flex. That was fun. He remembers that. Okay, so Tamar, let's get into it. We want to talk
1: about... And we're going to get to Hillator, We're going to get to your entire career, which uh, spans many decades here in Chicago. But I want to go back a little bit, especially with what's going on in Israel, and talk about a little bit about your childhood and a little bit of background for the listeners who I don't think know or appreciate the background that you come from. Tamar's great-grandfather, correct me if I'm wrong, was Reb Lezer Telzer. Right. Okay, and his he had two son-in-laws, Rabbi Bloch and Reb Zalman Seretskin. So your grandfather was Reb Zalman Seretskin, both leaders of yeshivas and of the Jewish people in Europe, and your other grandfather, Rabbi Ruven Katz, came a little bit earlier to uh, Israel and was the Rav, and Dayan and Petach Tikva led the Lumja Yeshiva there. So you come from this major rabbinic background. Your your father was a dying in Israel. Your mother, Chasida Katz, was an educator. Tell us a little bit about what that, what, did you grow up in Petach Tikva? What was it like in your childhood coming from this background in so Israel?
3: My parents' shidach was an interesting shidach because my grandfather, who was the author of those Naim Na Torah, it was translated, was also by arts culture, called in English "Insight to the Torah," but the original is so 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 much better than the partial translation that they've done. And uh, so, my grandfather was the leader of the Chinuchotzmai, the head of the Vada Yeshivas, and the leader of the Haredi community in Israel before the state of Israel, as it was starting to form. Very very Haredi in his Ashkafa and his way of life, and his principles, and everything. But he was a strong believer in girls' education. And in his, one of his forums, I think, either in the Adair V'adibur or in the Osnaim Na Torah, he has a whole article about why they need to start the Bess Yaakov movement in Israel, pro-state of Israel, because of all the girls that are going to grow in this country, and how much Jewish Bess Yaakov education they need. And he was a great big believer in Jewish education for girls, as was the Holtel's dynasty. All the women there are very learned. Some of them learned Gemara, like Rebetzin Osband, My aunt Rachel Sorotskin was the principal of Yavne Seminary and, and uh, Yavne Day School in Cleveland, Ohio. And so they were the, the stronghold of ultra-Orthodoxy. They shaped what we see today in ultra-Orthodox the Haredi world. That's what they shaped. That was the Sorotskin side of the family. My f- grandfather, Reb Reuven Ketz, was a very great Talmud of the Chafetz Chaim, had a much more Zionistic approach towards life in Israel, towards Rav Kook. He himself was the Rav of Petach Tikva, which was a rabbinic position, you know what I'm saying, which means that, that means that from the Medina. He was a big believer in the state of Israel, and he worked all his life since he came to Israel. He he worked to build the Rabanut ha'shit and Rabanut HaTzva'it. Uh, they they were, were
0: both European, and then they moved to... Right, so they, my, they came to Israel in the 30s. Right. So uh,
3: let me tell you, my my grandfather in the 20s already. Chaim sent him to America to what? What? What did Bayo, they New to? Jersey. Yeah. Right. Right. But he, he came on the shlichut of Chaim to collect money to send regularly. Chavetz Chaim sent him for a few years. He said get us some donations from America. That was his mission from the Chofetz Chaim. And in the meantime, he got himself a job as the rabbi of, like you say, Bayonne, New Jersey. You could still see the shul is still standing there, a very, very old shul. The family left Europe. Two of the older sons went to Israel to learn and he came to America and with his wife, four more sons and two daughters, the youngest of whom was my mother. My mother was in America when the ages of 10 to 14 her name was Fumarivka. Rivka. When she came to America, they asked her, what's your name? She says, Frumi. They said, Frumi? That's not an American name. Florence. Everybody who knew her from that era called her Florence. Then at, at, when she was 14, my grandfather, after the Hebron uh, massacre in 1929, when 100 Jews were killed, brutally murdered. Same, it rings so familiar to what happened to us now. By, by the Arabs, he decided he needs to make Aliyah. He has to go to Israel, he has to build a country. That was the beginning of the Halutsi, you know, he was part of the Aliyah Shlishit, and he came to Israel in the early 30s, okay? He brought back, his four sons all became Americanized, and they left him to become different positions in here in America. One became uh, the head of the, the Judaic department in NYU, big professor, One became a merchant, one became a uh, rabbi in YU, and one became the Rav of Passaic, New Jersey for 50 years. After she finished high school, my mother in Israel, she went back to Israel. She went to Israel at age 14. They asked her, What's your name? She said, Florence. Florence is not a Jewish name. (laughs) What's your name? Frumi. Frumi is a Yiddish name. You You need a Hebrew name. What's your name? Hasida. And from then on, everybody called her Hasida anybody who knows my daughter, Hasidah, she's named after her.
0: And this isn't a where they. This is
3: in Petach Tikva, right. She came to with Tikva with my grandfather. She was 14 years old. She finished high school in Israel. And like her mom, like T type of high school. And then she wanted to go to college. Well, it's ready. My grandfather, even though he was uh, Zionidati, he was extremely, also very, very fru. He was Haredi in his upbringing. So he said to her, nowhere can you go to college? No, No such thing for you. Seminar maybe. No, she didn't want to hear about that. She had the American, you know, seed already in her. So she went by herself back to America right before World War Two. And she got stuck in America for eight years. She had the time of her life. She she got her master's, her teaching degree and her in from Columbia University. She was a very smart woman. And after the war, her father finally connected with her. They couldn't connect with each other during the war. And he said, are you married? And she said, no. He says, come home immediately. And then she came home and somebody made the shidduch between my father and my mother. Even though two great leaders in Israel come from two sectors completely different and looked at each other a little bit suspiciously with this shidduch, each one of them was convinced that the other side is getting the better deal.
1: <laughs> okay, and, so then, and then the upbringing that you had, so how did that work? What was that fusion like in terms of your household? And where what, where did that take place?
3: So I grew up in Petah Tikva and I wanted, to, I wanted to share with you because this is something that I put myself in writing a couple of years ago. I believe that the best gift that my parents had given me was to be born a free, proud Jew in the young state of Israel. I was born just a few years after the Holocaust. Everybody was a survivor. It was such a privilege to be able to be openly Jewish, speaking Givrit, I felt very proud and I knew that I'm the first generation to that. That everybody above me was born in Europe. Everybody about me suffered persecution and, and suffering and, and horrors. And I'm named after my aunt who was killed in the Holocaust in Treblinka, my, my father's sister. When my, my grandfather left, he took the young kids with him, but she was married already. She stayed with her husband, and that was her end. And I'm named after her, yeah. Being able to freely speak of my Judaism and my illustrious Jewish roots in the language of our heritage. That was the schut that my parents, that was the best gift that my parents gave me, and I'm so proud of it. I'm like born to a line of 30 generations of rabbis. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine the burden What it means, you're a line of 30 generations. Ben, achar, ben, ben, bat, ben, bat, ben. Everybody was Rabbanim. That was our family. And I was born just a few years before my relatives, my cousins, who were just 10 years older than me, all perished in the Holocaust. I never got to know them. My parents were the youngest of their families. And so most of my older cousins... And my parents, all all family, were all perished. I'm so proud to be a Jew in Israel. It was a pride. I was like, really, I was like something that I carried. Like, We're better than everybody else. That's how we felt. Those Americans that came to visit us, we were much better than them because we are Israelis. That's the sense of pride that I experienced growing up. I was proud to be who I was. And I thought that that was something that my ancestors not always had this good to feel like I did. there was shortages of everything w- when I was growing up. There was not enough milk there was not enough eggs. I remember our cousin from New York because my mother had four brothers in America. our cousins in New York sending us powdered milk and powdered eggs.
2: Did your house have like running water and
3: we had running water we had uh, but we did not have let's say for example an electric refrigerator. So every day we used to go downstairs and watch the men bring a, a block of ice, carry it three flight up, and we used to try to lick on it and to get. <sighs> but you had, you had indoor plumbing. We had indoor plumbing. We I remember when we got our gas. Before our gas, we had like those little things that you cook on, cooked up of it with a fire, with the gasoline that my parents added. I still remember making a cholent on it, and then I remember that my mother, being an American, don't forget, she, she, got, she got married to live in Israel, but she had been in America for like 10, 10 or 12 years of her life. She knew the nicer stuff. Right. So she wanted a refrigerator. She says, there's no such thing in America. Somebody with an icebox. So the, as soon as Amco, which is the first Israeli electric appliances producer, as soon as they came up with the first refrigerator, first Israeli refrigerator, my mother was the first in line to buy it. And I remember that it was like I was like maybe eight years old at the time, and I used to stand by the refrigerator at my
0: height, and every week you still had to defrost it and everything. You used to have your friends come over and show off your refrigerator.: Oh year, the,
3: the whole neighborhood came. We also had the first telephone, which was much, much later forward. We, we got the first telephone line in the whole neighborhood. How are
1: you the first to get all this stuff?
3: My this father, my, a, my, father a was a dine. my father was a My father was a Diane in the base in Rabani in Tel Aviv. And as a Diane, he needed a phone. So they came right. and then he stole the phone. Once he became a Diane, we got a phone.
0: Do you remember your number? Was, was it like four 1- digits?
3: 202.
0: 911. Okay. Six digits. Okay.
3: Yeah. There was no area code at that time. So there's nine one one two oh two. Then they added the area code O-2 and then they added another, another couple of than, digits. Sure. Yeah. But of course you don't forget that. And we had nobody to call. In my whole class of about forty girls there was maybe another person that had a phone. So me and her used to call each other and the friends used to run from my house to her house to see how it works.
1: Growing up in the 50s, there was less conflict maybe during your childhood leading up until the Six Day War. But the political situation, especially between the religious and secular parties, at some point, I'm assuming that had some effect on your family and kind of the directions that they took. Gius Bonham, all this different type of stuff during your childhood. So how how did that affect your family and your upbringing? Jordan, Most, don't, don't
2: forget about the Suez Canal War, during Fifty six. I'm, I'm, I'm well, aware. I'm I, I, I was Josh, gonna say. I'm aware. I'm aware. <laughs> I, I
3: want to say something. One of the, my earliest memories is 1956. I was five years old. It's the middle of the night. The sirens go on. My father carries me in his lap to go to the shelter. We didn't even own an apartment yet. We were in a rental. Jordan was
2: about to skip past uh, that. I'll I'll take the L. Thank you.
3: (laughs) Yeah. That is one of my earliest memories. I was not there for the 48. I was not born before Mechemet Tashichru, but I was already in 56. That was the next work to come. And then, of course, Merchamah was probably shaped me in more ways than any other historical event that I went through, including COVID and the Siyum of the Dafyomi. I still look forward to.
1: We will all celebrate with you. So, so taking us back to that question though, the between the religious factions and the secular factions, there was a lot of conflict. And being from a family on the one side who was Haredi and maybe to some extent anti the government, and then and then you know your your father being a part of the a dayan in the Rabbanut, and. So, so how did that influence your childhood? And do you remember there being a conflict within with cousins or anything of that sort?
3: You know what? In those days, no matter how firm you were, you were tzioni. Everyone. Everybody loved the state. Everybody saw in it, it uh, gashmut Everybody. We we're all survivors. we all kept Everybody wanted to believe that this is what's going to bring the Yeshua. We were all Zionistic. Of course, the Haredim has their own drishot and slowly but surely the, the the rift and the divide between the Kafrot, Smola and Yamina uh, has much grown since then. But at that time, everybody felt the same. I never felt like anybody pointing me out as I'm Haredi. I don't, I don't remember that. My friends were, I had some friends, with were Dati, some were Chiloni. Our Shkuna was very, very mixed. Not like today, that Shkuna are all by by religious orientation. Our shechunah was very, very mixed. There was all one thing we had in common. We were Jews. We were all survivors of the team and people trying to build a life again. And some of them were more observant and some of them were less observant. But we were all one chavuah. My parents' best friends were not from. They got together every week for a game of cards or something. I remember on our porch, my my father, Haredi Beard, and black Keeper, my neighbor, Kipa sulga, the neighbor from downstairs, nothing, and they were all together, and they were friends. They were best friends. So that was the kind of atmosphere that I, I grew up in.
1: So you think maybe when things got more comfortable as years went on, that's when the divide started happening. But back then, I mean, everyone was surviving together. It's interesting together. that you,
3: you pin go- it uncomfortable. I don't know if that's the reason, but... I mean, I just, well, it, maybe,
2: maybe the divide started when they realized there was one family that was drinking cold drinks and talking on the phone all the time. <laughs>
0: what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. People forget, you know. As you and know, I've, when you, the Holocaust is in the 40s, and all of a sudden it's the 50s, it's different. than all of a sudden you get to the 60s or 70s, and people, you know, forget. You know, I
3: remember what, just that in the sixth award, everybody became from. Right. Everybody around us became bal including ourselves. It was such a kmiha and such an so take us to that take
1: us to that so at what you know you were you in before, high school before you I, I go sc-
3: there okay. I want to tell you I want to tell bring up a story from my grandfather sure. that I think will be so interesting to you I want to say that in many ways I think that my grandfather had proven cats, even though like our family Sovotskin, is the, is the strong and the, the more illustrious side of the family but as for me as as a child who grew up in Petah Tikva at the footsteps of my grandfather in Petaktikva. Tikva. And we didn't live in next to my, Zalman Sorotskin. He lived in Yerushalayim. We used to go visit him maybe twice a year and it was so dangerous to go. You had to go in a bus with a chayalim around us and with you know, whatever they put on the windows against bullets and zoom through Latrun. It took a whole day from Petah Tikva. Today, it's like a 40 minute drive. A whole day from the morning to the evening, around and around to get to Jerusalem because of the enemy. So it was hard to get to my grandfather. I was much closer with my grandfather, my, my maternal grandfather of Reuven. The Degel Reuven. The Degel Ruven. Dude Ruven is, is, is better. Better safer? For me, because it's on the Chumash. Gotcha. And I love it, and it's really nice. So I told you about him, that he came to Israel at, at night, and I'm going to repeat it, you know, and he yeah. became a Rav, and he was very Zionistic, and he is very... The Rabanut Tarashid was so important to him, He actually was the one that brought Rav Herz Herzog, the first Chief Rabbi. I mean, it wasn't the first Chief Rabbi, but the first Chief Rabbi from the state of of Israel, Israel. right? Right. My grandfather brought him from Europe. He was in England, and there was a good friend from my of my grandfather still from the outer Country, and so he brought him back. He sent him a letter inviting him, in the name of the Rabbanut and in the name of the President of Israel, invited him to become the Chief Rabbi of Israel. And he accepted. And for my grandfather, it was a big simcha. My grandfather, Abruven Ketz, was one of the authors of the Tefillah Le This is something that I'm so proud of. He didn't write the whole thing, but he wrote the first nusach, and he sent it to two people that participated and eventually shaped the Tefillah Le Medina, as we know it today. One was Rav Herzog, who was Rav Rashi at that time. And one was Shaya Gnon, who was a poet, Israel Poet Laureate, Shia Gnon. So he sent it to, all, all three of them colluded together. And I have several letters from my grandfather that well, there was a question, should they say bracha with a seyad lev Oh, this was right before the State of Israel, like maybe four months, March, be, before March of 40, 48. 48. Yeah. They, they were start, starting to write the back and forth correspondence and then was a question if they should say a bracha, an halel. When the day comes, the day of independence, they were preparing for it. They wanted to have a tefillah, they wanted to have a halel, and should or shouldn't they say halel? So my grandfather, I have, it, I have the letter, if I, if I could show it to you, wrote in the in the bottom of the letter, he said, my opinion is that as long as Yerushalayim and the Kotel are not in our hands, we cannot say bracha. We can only add the bracha, if and when we get Yerushalayim HaShlema. And my grandfather, it was like a nav- Navi. Whoever thought, whoever dreamt. My grandfather died in the 60s, and, uh, 62. 67.
0: 67,
3: right. we got Yerushalayim back. And so, according to my grandfather, you should say now Yom Atzmarut, bracha.
0: Put on the record, Jordan.
3: Yeah. And then the, the, the one of the nicest things that I discovered just recently in 2017, I discovered that there was a big correspondent between my grandfather in the 60s, my grandfather was already old, and the younger rabbi, Ber Soloveitchik. The Prime Minister of Israel, Ben-Guyon, extended an invitation to Ber to become the chief rabbi at that time in Israel. They were looking for somebody influential that could lead the generation. My grandfather, Rabbi uh, Yosheber, sent a letter back to Ben-Gurion declining the offer. My grandfather got involved because he was a friend of Yosheber, and he sent him a letter. He said, we need you so much. We need somebody of your stature and your chokhmah and your vision, you know, because, you know, Yosheber represented the, the modern Orthodox voice in America at that time. And that's what they needed. They needed him with his big, great scholarship to come to Israel and to lead the the, the nation as the state was happening, yeah? And it is so sad. If you ever want to see the letter of Yosheber wrote to my grandfather. He he was just sick. He he was sick for one whole year. He had some stomach issues. And he he wrote that he's depressed and that he's lonely and that he cannot accept this because all he wants to do is Ohal HaShel he says, even if they offer me to become the king, melech, I cannot accept it. I just want to do one thing. Sit in the Bishmaidrish, learn, and teach. That's all I want to do. And think. He wrote, and think. I can show you this. It's like a historical letter that I have that I have, we have in our hands.
1: Jordan, apropos that your husband would, in future years learned by Rabbi Yashabir for a short period when you lived in Boston. Right,
3: right, right. right. He had a little connection with him too, yeah.
1: Okay, so take us into the Six-Day War. As a kid, at what point? were You you were in high school when the war broke out? I was in in 10th grade. In 10th grade. So what was that experience like, especially in in Petach Tikva? Yeah, I
3: mean, the thing that I remember first was all the men disappeared. There were no men around. There were no doctors, there were no drivers. The buses did not run because the country was ran on men. Women were not drivers of buses. Women were maybe nurses, you know, teachers. And there was such a shortage of hand. And we, as high school kids, we were asked to take over for some of those tasks. For example, in Petah Tikva, there was Snif Magen David Adom. That's what they, the first aid. They took the nurses also. They took the doctors. They took everybody who worked there You have a whole city and there is no first aid. So number one, they took us all out of class, sent us to again the Vida Dome, and taught us how to do a broken arm, how to give a shot, how to bandage, how to stop bleeding and stuff like that. What you do with your pain, choking, all these things. We we were there for a whole week just to learn. I mean, it was already towards the war. And then we stayed. Every day we had to come serve two hours in Magendavid.
0: Was everyone glued at this time to the radio? Was yes, that, that's, everyone, there was everyone no everyone was television. Just, right.
3: I remember on the third day of the war, my mother said, let's go give blood. We need to go give blood. So we walked because the bus was not running. We walked to the hospital. It was pretty much like maybe 45 minutes to an hour walk. We came there, they put us both, both in beds and they connected us and they started taking both my mother and me, our blood. The radio was on, everybody was listening. And then it said, "A a and I fainted because I was like in the middle of giving blood, <laughs> really? and this whole emotional thing. They, they had to, uh-huh. yeah, they had to wake me up. That was that was my my big memory from. Yushalayim and they are
0: playing play. Yushalayim Shalsahava on the on the radio. Not yet, no, not, not yet. yet. Oh. We
3: didn't have the technology. Just no Spotify. Nobody had phones. No Spotify. And, nobody had phones in their hands because we got a couple of historical pictures. You
1: all know them. And what was the fear like leading up to the war? I mean, the Six War didn't happen. It, it didn't happen in a vacuum, right? <sighs> leading up with Nasser and all that going on, you know, how afraid were you in Petah Tikva of? I can't remember
3: one moment of fear but really? I was also young and stupid but no moment of fear nobody's going to defeat us that was the feeling of growing up this is how I grew up we are invincible whatever happened to our ancestors will never ever happen to us we're here to stay that was what I sucked into my being to, and, and, and that shaped my identity too and then, do you I remember think. the first
0: time you went to the hotel after?
3: oh yeah of course I remember it was quite a day
0: how long after the war?
3: I think it was a couple of weeks, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I
0: assume it was a quicker trip to Eshelaim at that point in time. I think so. I don't remember that, right. but
3: I, we went with a few friends, like seven friends from my class. We took a couple of days off, and we went to Eshelaim. We were in tenth grade, as I said. Came to the Kotel. Of course, it wasn't like nothing like for it sure. Like it was a little chavah. It was a very exciting, exciting moment because I still remember that there was a little child. My when I used to visit with Zamen he used to take me all the way to the wall, not the walls of Yerushalayim, the the gray wall that was built behind it, right, right, where the Jordanian army was patrolling all the time, Oksal Mandelbaum. And then that wall was knocked off when when after the Six Day War. But I remember my grandfather used to say to me, "Behind this wall is a beautiful city, and in that city is our coastal. And I hope that in your life you will get to see the coast. Neither my grandfathers or uh-huh. my grandmothers were able to live to the Six Day War, so none of them. So that but my grandfather from Yerushalayim always instilled in me this longing and yearning to live something behind that gray wall.
0: Where, where he was lived? Where, like in Shari Chesed? You know, he
3: lived in Givulah Es. Uh-huh. You know where it is? Yeah, it's like behind the. Today, it's, like it's such a, a luxury area. Yeah, it's worth yeah. a lot. It, I don't think he owned <laughs> it. Held down to it. The uh-huh. main you know, what that was uh-huh. It's Some some sort of a rent control. Gotcha.
1: So a couple mm-hmm. years later, you, you finish high school. And, and what do you do after you finish high school? What was the decision like? Did you did you do, was it there shayrut lumi at the time? Did I did not do shayrut Lumi go straight no, into I mean, Michlala? So going to Michlala was, was a, a, a
3: big a struggle to get there. First of all, I went to Besiakov High School. Besiakov High School in Pitech Tikva was a lovely seminary. I mean, that's what they call him from, from the ninth grade on. But he did not provide the academic rigor that my mother, with a masters from Colombia, wanted for her children. She wanted me to do the bagot. Bagot is like the GED equivalent, but... It's a higher level. All right, the like,
0: GD is like for high school, so I guess this is Yeah, like no, no, I'm talking about for high, high school.
3: school. Yeah, to finish high school, in order to get into a real college, you needed to do the bagot. It's like taking the... S- Matriculation. Like taking the regents
1: or something. Regents,
3: exactly. Without it, you can't get into college. And my mother so wanted me to go to college, but my grandfather from my father's side did not like the idea of... She wanted to take me out of the Bisiakov school for 12th grade and put me in another school, it was called Lustig, that was more academic, also from, also from, but much more academic. And I had to have permission, my father said, if my father gives permission, you could send her there. Otherwise, you can't take her out of Bisiago. We took the bus, my mother and me to Shalai, we went to speak to my grandfather. My grandfather was, every time I came to him, he always tested me, always tested me. I would, where I am in Chumash, where I am in Avi. The whole bus trip I used to review my Tanakh. He was a real, real scholar in Tanakh. He instilled that in me. And he wrote such a beautiful paper to the Torah. And he used to ask me all kinds of questions and wanted to hear what I had to say. Yeah, it was great. I remember him as such a special person.
0: Did he ever use any of your, any of your thoughts in his Sefer? Well,
3: no? one, I think, in the Agatha Pesach, maybe one, and...
0: Did he credit you, my granddaughter? I I don't remember that,
3: maybe. but uh, Jordan, you have to fact check. Here is is a question that he asked me when I was maybe eight years old. Maybe see if you can answer it. He says, how many times a year do you say how?
0: I can answer how many times Josh does. (laughs) How many? Around two to three, that's what Josh said. Something
2: like that, no. Uh, How many? Let's see.
0: Are We talking full? Are we are talking? Yeah. full or is, or that, half. is that part of the
3: trick? No, whole could everything. you could say full and how many are full? A little how many are shalem? 18, Eighteen.
0: But you got to take. But got to take out Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, you have to 16. take off. <laughs> take out, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, sixteen. Maybe, maybe even you less chanek, than that. You got Pesach. You got mm-hmm. Well, yes,
3: the, yeah, that's the that's second part of the question. How many times chaziyale how many times Halel shalem? So chaziyale is what is about? Let's say. 15, 16 times a year? Chazi it's alel.
2: Rosh Chodesh on the six days, last six days of Pesach. So that's...
3: Is it more Shalem or is it more Chazi? Let's backtrack. Jordan, do you know what Halal is? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Tamar taught
0: Tamar, me what Halal is. Do,
3: do you agree with the following statement? We say a lot more days Alel Shalem than Chazi Alel.
0: Unfortunately. Yes, <laughs> right? Sure, sure. For sure, yeah. So, so okay, this sure was, was my
3: grandfather's question. How come all the kids know the Chatziel and they don't know that El Shalim.
1: Because they're in school for Chatziel.
3: Okay. Any other idea? You know what
0: I learned Hallel? I actually learned. Let hollow. me just tell you something. I learned Hallel in fourth grade with you.
3: Right. Good. That's right. That's what we introduced it, That's you really? Yeah. That's what we but learned. But that was like, only Hat-Ziele. That's why you know Chatsiele. Exactly. We had
0: some good songs, but like we didn't know to say like you say one line. Josh and you to go, always, you always go led ahead the singing in the class, right? He was such a good yeah. singer. <laughs> <years> later, <some laughs> when he I sang the
3: Hallel, it was he was the Josh? best. Best. Yeah, I
1: think. We should ask The voice of an angel. Josh, can you give us a little hollow right
0: now? I don't know if it was the voice of an angel,
3: but it was. The voice that yes. everyone followed. Robinson Friedman. <coughs> and he was on Tamar, key. Uh,
0: so next week, he's making a bar mitzvah, and there's going to be a yes, I will not be singing it, but yes. So I think that Josh should get up and <laughs> sing that and, and lead the, the halo. And to rehearse start. to us. Thursday night. Really? Yeah.
3: Can you answer that question? Why is it that everybody knows the Chatziel and nobody knows the Halel
0: Shalim? The songs. That's my answer. There's no songs. They gotta
3: two. be a clever answer for three, He looked graduate. That
0: is my answer. Yeah. Okay. Here's the what other I, one. There's a song for every other one except for those two.
3: Okay. So let me tell you. This is my grandfather well, asking I tw- you. Was, and how old were you? I was about, between six, six, and eight. Eight. Yeah. six and eight. Six so and eight okay. And I said to him, "Simple. When you say Halel Shalem, you also say Hatzihale. So it's not fifteen Different. days versus twenty days. It overlaps. It's thirty-five days." Versus 20 days. Because whenever you say the halal Shalem, you're rehearsing also the Chatzia So actually you say the Alel, the Chatzia almost double than what you say Halel Shalem. Got and it? And, and he, he accepted.
1: accepted the answer?
3: He thought that was brilliant. Love and it. he told everybody. <clears throat> Great answer.
1: Okay, so back to getting permission to leave Bes Yaakov. You go yeah. with your mother and what happens? And it was,
3: a, it was a tough conversation, but I gave him my word that I'm going to be a good Bes Yaakov girl not going to let anybody influence me to the road, any direction that's not there, and he gave me his blessing. It was the happiest day in my mother's life. It was not the happiest day in my life, because do you think I wanted to leave all my friends over whom I was a leader for I don't know how many years and to come to a new school in 12th grade when Plus I you just didn't pr- know anybody? Plus
0: he just promised you wouldn't party in college. Yeah, so. exactly.
3: <laughs> in that school, I only had three girls who went with me to elementary school but didn't continue with me to Beysiakov High School. They went directly to Lustig. It was the year, I have to say from all my memories, it was the year that I learned the most. It was like my eyes like open. i talking about general studies. I had to learn French. I had to take another language. English was not enough. So the whole year before that, my mother gave me uh, private lessons in French and I had to take a tutor in math.
2: Did you learn math in Bisiakop at all? Yes, of course,
3: I did, had, yeah. But I didn't have that algebra 2 uh-huh. geometry and stuff like that. But uh, I was way behind when I came. Science, we had no science in Bisiakop. We had physics there. It was so difficult. It was so challenging. Every night I came home, I was like, from the moment I walked into the house till I passed midnight, I was just sitting and trying to catch up and just... To be an average student, this is after I was like the top of the class for all of my life. I was never the second one. I was always the first. And here I went all the way down. So it was a tough year for me. I still remember it very well. I made a lot of good friends in that year. And then I continued from there to Michlala. Many of them continued to Michlala with me.
1: And what was that
0: experience like?
3: That was also my grandfather was not that happy with it. But he allowed it to me, you know, whatever. And then you were living
0: yeah. in Yushalayim then?
3: I got married on my... I was 19 when I got married. Second year oh. of Michlala.
1: Can I posit a theory as to how that have happened? With, of course, Rabbi Avram Friedman, who came from Chicago, an American boy, learning, I don't know, in the mirror in those days, or an Itri, maybe, right? I, in my research, discovered that you were not the first granddaughter of Rabbi Reuven Katz to marry a Southside Chicagoan. Right. Is that accurate? Maybe Samson Krupnik's grandkid? Yeah,
3: so Malka, he did his research really well.
1: Shout out the Bokers and (laughs) Krupnikles, also (laughs) grandchildren.
3: Anyway, that's right. So my cousin Malka, who was the daughter of one of my older uncles, my mother's older brother, Aaron. So Malka married Krupnik, an American boy. I don't know what the shaykh is, Who came up with that shidach is like beyond understanding. But they built a beautiful, beautiful family. The children married the greatest She was really beautiful family. Eli Kropnik is a big time at They made our shidach. But how did it come to be? My mother decided in her mind that I need an American boy. Did I want an American boy? I had no idea what I wanted. I never in my life spoke to a boy. Let alone think of what nationality would be.
0: And so, how was your English? My English was below average. Was it better than your French?
3: It was a little bit better than my French because my mother knew English very well. She didn't speak English at home because my father didn't know English.
0: And how was the Chassan's Hebrew?
3: When he proposed, he says, how do you say it in Hebrew? <laughs>
0: <laughs> I can see that. So what was that experience like meeting
1: a then Rabbi Avram Friedman?
3: Was a, it was like when like,
1: you go out the first time? Where'd you go? What you know? Curious. As let's really even talk about the first time. <laughs> I think we should. <laughs> but it,
3: I should. It should have been a warning for me for the rest <laughs> of my life. My cousin and no, the first time we met in my cousin's house. That's how it was done. We met on Tu and my husband always says I had a date with a date on Tu Bishvat. So get a Josh. Her what? name is Tamar. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Already yeah. a Rebbe. And uh, it was a very lovely day so by my cousin. She put all the dried fruit and then they left the room and we talked and there was a, a good chemistry right from the beginning. And then the, f- the second time we decided to, we could not decide. No, it was not up to us to decide. I had to go to the Shatchan. So my cousin told me, you're going to meet at Malon Amlachim. King's Hotel. Yeah. And for some reason, I don't know what, is it my mistake, his mistake. One of us thought it was Malone, King David. Hamalachim is the King's Hotel. There's a huge difference between really, If you stay sure. at the King's Hotel, you can never afford to stay in the King, King David Hotel. Okay? It's like the two...
0: Opposites. Yeah.
3: So one of us was waiting at King's Hotel and one of us was waiting at King. <laughs> now we had no phones. It's not like I could call the Shadchan. I, I had no idea. I'm standing for an hour, honestly. Finally, I found a, a Simon, I call my parents. Of course, they have to call me back because that's the is only good for 20 seconds. And uh, they call me back and I say, he never showed up. My mother said, let me call your cousin. She calls my cousin. She doesn't know. Then my cousin calls her back and says, oh, he just called me. He's waiting at the King David Hotel.
0: Typical American.
3: Yeah. So finally, we got to, we met each other somewhere in, uh, in the yeah. you know? But uh, yeah, I was like, I should have known right then and there. <laughs> it's always, I, I'm never sure he hears what I'm saying.
1: <laughs> yeah. And from what I understand, unfortunately, right, right before your wedding, was it your father that passed away? Yeah, my
3: father passed away at a very young age of 46.
1: And it was right before the wedding.
3: A week after we got engaged, mm. before I even met his parents at all, we got engaged in Israel. A week afterwards, my father wasn't feeling well. My mother took him to the doctor. I I I was oblivious, but it turned out that he had a very aggressive lymph lymphoma. They didn't know what to do for him. The doctor said, told him basically he has a couple of months to live. My mother called America. I heard all, everything was like, let's call America. Right. And she found who the big big doctor, Dr. Seret, I think was his name, and he, that he's the first one that is trying a new thing called chemotherapy. And maybe it's worth to bring my father to America. In Israel, it's not an yet, but chemotherapy was a thing of the future. So, of course, my mother took him to America. That was right after we got engaged and let my husband and me run the household. So she came. They came to America. They gave him a couple of months of chemotherapy, but it was like very aggressive cancer. Doctor said, to her, "If you want him to be there for your daughter's wedding, take him to Israel now and do it as soon as you get to Israel." Came back to Israel. He got very sick about a week after he came back from Israel, and our wedding was already delayed because usually you get married within three four months. We got engaged an iyal, and this was already Kislev because he went to America for four months. And it was hard. It was a hard time for us. Actually, my brother just met a guy that told him that when your father was sick, I was driving to a wedding, and I heard on the radio that in Bet Cholim they are looking for type B, minus B, something. My father had a rare blood type. He said, I was asking myself, should I go be M'samech, my friend, or should I be matzil Nefesh? He says, I came to the hospital. He was so ill and he was so desperate that they put me on the bed next to him and they put for my body blood directly into his body. And he died while I was giving him my blood.
1: Very tragic. Right. And then, And so how long after that?
3: After, after that, we got, we got we were supposed to get married and kafdalit Kislev, he was nifter and Yud Aleph. We started sitting Shiva, I think you'd bed. We got up. We had three, four days for the wedding.
0: And that's you got married it. in your shalayim? No, we got That's a story yeah. in itself, from what
1: I understand that. uh yeah, yeah, Rosh of the Mir, Rav Chaim at the time, took the Yeshiva to and come bus, to Petach to be in misameach. order to be Masameach, the Saretzkin family, for right, the wedding.
3: Right, I mean, we were just got up from Shiva. I remember the first time I met my in-laws was at the Shiva house. Could you believe? I, I, My hair was not done. My dress was torn. I felt very conflicted to meet my in-laws like that. Yeah, it was a very sad wedding. We actually canceled the, the original plan for the wedding, which was a big wedding all with a party and a, and a band, all that. Got, my father was also on top of being a dayan. He was also a rav of a very nice shul, a chalmei, which was called. So we did a, they did the wedding in the yard of the, of the synagogue. And then we went to my uncle's house. A small suitor with ten people. That was the end of the
1: wedding. Unfortunate way to start a marriage. But then, what was that like? You, you always intended, you, you and your husband wanted to live in Israel and and stay in that lifestyle. For sure, for sure. That was the understanding that he would agree to live in Israel and everything. So that lasted for some time. But then yes. the moves to America, from what I understand, maybe had to do with the health of his parents. Is that no, why? No. The you first, initially... time came, first time we
3: came. The first time came to America was because nama was a baby. Oh, she was the she... one. She was born with a very rare condition. Israel said they can't do anything for her. And they sent us with a doctor from Sharit Zedek on the plane to children's hospital in Boston. Hypoglycemia in babies was at that time not much understood. We came to America on and, and in an hour flight and then when we got arrived there, a helicopter waited for us in New York to take us to Boston with this baby and we came there and we were under the some of the greatest pediatric doctors in the field of pediatrics and uh, she was there for almost over six months. Oh, wow! She had two or three surgeries on her pancreas to try to eliminate hypoglycemia and to, in, to increase her sugar. It's the opposite, it's the opposite of, uh, of diabetes six months she was on an IV and thank God she came back to herself slowly but surely they told me the older she gets the less likely it is for her to have any episodes of hypoglycemia the danger with hypoglycemia is when you get convulsions your brain can have permanent damage so you want to make sure that she never gets low sugar and when the sugar would go down to zero everybody started panicking couple of surgeries to fix that, and then they told us that we really should stay in America, either in Boston or in three other centers that they told us, so we can be close to a place that can take care of her. So he went to Toronto to look for a job. The whole time we were in Boston, over nine months, he worked and I worked. He, he, went, he worked in Maimonides. And I worked in the Bisiakov High School, that was there. and we lived in a nurse's dormitory, an abandoned nurse's dormitory of Beth Israel Hospital, which is about, about a 10 minutes' walk from Children's Hospital. They gave us on the fourth floor. We didn't have a refrigerator, it was such a cold window. We just put everything in the window to keep it fresh. It was really hard. And,
0: and then you minutes. went back to Israel after? After Boston, well,
3: yeah, no. So wait. After Boston, we had to stay in America for two more years. Oh. Los Angeles, y'all. So, my oh. husband got an offer on the payphone from the head of the Torah Musora, Rabbi Lesser. He has a job for him in Los Angeles.
0: It's funny because you know I had Ray Friedman as, as a teacher in Rosh and he always told stories about Boston, LA, Chicago, Israel, and like I just never really put the map together. But now. Now, now it started to make yes. sense. I just thought he was just sort of making up cities. Like, okay, <laughs> like okay, you're fine.
3: So we ended up going to LA. A very famous doctor was there. First thing we got there, we went for, to visit him so he, he can get familiar with his baby. And she was in the all two years that we were there, a year and a half. She had only one episode, and we took her to the doctor. I Remember, by the time we came back, it was Shabbos already. We couldn't drive our car back.
1: So in Los Angeles, and I know Rabbi Friedman taught in, I think it was Rambam at the time, or right. something like Rabbi Meiselman had started Yula and that whole thing. Right. So Los Angeles for two years, Kolel. And then was there an attempt to go back to Israel afterwards? or? So
3: uh, Rabbi Meiselman came and offered my husband a very attractive position at Yula to leave the high school and to come on board with him, help him start Yula, which became a big success story but then my mother got sick with cancer and she was in israel so we decided we we have to go support her i was already didn't have my father and we were still very very young so it was very very sad but we had to go back so my husband was started to look for a job somebody suggested can be after they were looking for an american right
0: that's right. I heard about Karen B. Yavne also. It's okay. all coming back. It's all Israel. coming. To Great. Me.
3: So we went back to Israel, and instead of going with Rabbi Meiselman to Yula, we went to Karen B. And you lived there. We lived there. We lived on the grounds of the yeshiva. We had still didn't have a phone, but there was a public phone about two hundred steps from my door. Did you door. have a refrigerator? Yeah, we had a refrigerator at okay. that time already, and a washing, no dryer the washer and the stove, but the telephone we had to wait by online. I put up such a fight with the city that we all need phones. We need phones. I said we need phones in the house. It's dangerous to be without a phone. But and we never got one until we left Avenue. Well people used to Avenue. go to
0: like the post office to make calls, right? Is that how yeah. it was in Israel? Yeah.
3: But in Kirby Avenue right. there was three just, or four booths. That was it. And that was it. And and the line was always atrocious.
1: How long did your stay in Israel last a couple of years? Four years. Then you made your way to Chicago? And
3: then we came to Chicago and my mother-in-law became very sick. My mother died within a year. So we came back to Israel right. for her and she died within a year. I see. We, we stayed four years. My husband went already on Pesach to Skokie Yeshiva to try the position that they were offering. Him.
0: And what year was this? 82. 82. Yeah,
3: 82. He came and he was here from Pesach till summer and they all liked
1: him.
0: Then he lived in the, the dorms? When you first got here? Yeah. and how In was the that? yeshiva? Yeah. yeah. What was that like for you With as a With four children. With four children. What
1: was that like for you in Israeli, right? You get to live your dream in Karen Biavnet. Now you're coming back to Chicago, and this is your husband's turf. I your was so
3: Israel. miserable. I really hated it in the beginning, really. Although I lived in Boston already for a year right. and a half. Sure. So I knew what it means to live in America. But I th- I'm not sure which was more miserable in the beginning. Boston? or Chicago, both were there. You don't
1: mention Los Angeles as being miserable.
3: <laughs> no, me, me, Los Angeles was a gun aiden. That was already after a year and a half in Boston. We moved to Los Angeles. The weather was to my liking. I was much more like Israel than I was used to. In Boston, I was always sick.
0: So when you first got to, to Skokie, were you teaching yet, or you were just your full-time mother?
3: No, 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 I had to go teach right away without salary, no. Uh-huh. So you just went across the field? So no, I went, I, I taught, first of all, in Hannah Sachs for a year. And then I was thinking to myself, every day I have to schlep the baby. If I if I stay in the building, one of my neighbors can babysit for me. And here's a school, I'm looking at the kids, they look so cute. I never in my life taught in elementary school. I always taught 10th grade and up. That must be a piece of cake to teach them. I won't have to prepare that much. And Rabbi Brockerson invited me to his office and wanted to hear what my history was I told him I taught 10th grade 9th grade one time 10th grade 11th 12th in this open I, in that open in give out Washington he says to me do you ever teach elementary school I said no but I'm sure if you give me 7th and 8th grade that would be fine he says all I have is 4th grade do you want 4th grade piece of cake give me 4th grade it was so hard. It was so. It was so.
1: You got Josh hard Rosen it. leading the class. <laughs> yeah. I'm so. I, was I, that one of your earlier classes? I, I'm still convinced. I'm, convinced. Convinced. I'm still. Convinced. He was one of my earlier yeah.
0: classes. I'm still yeah. convinced she's mixing him up with one of his brothers. What, you don't think I have a good voice? <laughs> I don't think people listen to you.
1: <laughs> Josh is very forceful.
0: I'm a natural leader.
2: Yes. No, oh, come
0: on. Maybe Jeremy Kroll or
1: so something that, like that. Uh, so that begun a decades long career. Where you thrived as a teacher in El Toro. What,
0: were you It took ye- a long time to thrive. Were you yelling a lot Sam to the t- students?
3: I think I was sometimes yelling. Were do you remember? I learned remember not l- to yell. Were well, you losing
0: your voice often? Did you lose your voice? Often?
3: I lose. I lost my voice already when I was teaching in Israel. Okay. I never
0: found because both Josh and I have both <laughs> vivid memories. Yes, of uh, me uh, yelling. No, no, you were a well, microphone. Right. It was the first time we saw this like portable microphone. The yeah, box, because because box. my
3: because my I was my voice was raspy and.
0: Because exactly. we would cause you to yell. Yeah,
3: yeah, it's true. I, my throat was very strained. Yeah, you both remember that. You were not in the same. Day. No, he
0: was no, a year no. ahead of me.
2: But
3: I was a year ahead. But I, we both remember.
0: Who's younger? I'm younger. He was very close to be my class because you you try to hold him back. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I taught you in that little room right by there. the mobile. The mobile. Oh, in the mobile. Yeah. Oh, in the yeah. mobile. Yeah. Not nah,
0: me. My room. Was... Who was
3: in your class?
0: I mean, a bunch of people. Jeremy Kroll? I uh,
2: know
3: people you might know. Uh,
2: Axler, Neely Axler. For sure. I'm trying to think of the smarter people. Uh, you were
3: definitely one of the smartest kids in the class, for sure.
2: Josh just a smart leader. Thank you. Hey, listen,
0: yeah. we, we have a bunch of... I, I can pull out a Navi right here. We can see He's <laughs> really
2: <laughs> making him mad. Yeah. Yeah. I was so
3: happy that I found in Chicago a school, a modern orthodox school, that it's your that I can express my Hebrew and my love for Israel. Because no other school in the system offered that opportunity to
0: me. You mentioned earlier, you know, there was, you know, growing up in Israel, you were, you know, Zionistic, yet you, you know, came from Rosh Hashiva, uh, of the yeshiva world. Did you feel you were, like, on the right of, to the school, on the left of the school, were you... I was always there any sort felt of in the
3: right place, in the middle. I always felt in the middle of everything. Ashkafa-wise and everything, I never felt like I'm... I'm a little bit to the right of the school, I'm a little bit to the left of the school.
0: And there was never any pushback, oh, you know, it's it's too... I
3: remember one time...
0: It's too not non Mr.
3: Strulowicz was yet. the president at that time. I don't know, you might want to cut the out no, we no, the this out. No, this is important
0: also for his
1: son, Ari, who's the yes. head of the Good Enough. Yeah, so, right. You know, <laughs> I, Ari
3: heard this story from me several okay, times. Okay, let's hear it. And I said, I I organized a trip for the, for the class. I forgot where we were going somewhere. And he came to school upset with me because he heard that I went on the bus and I separated the boys and the girls. Now, an idea like that to separate the boys and the girls on the bus would never even enter my head. I went on the bus. I loved seeing them together. I did separate kids who didn't get along. And if a girl and a boy did not get along, I may have moved one of them away. But I, it never even entered my mind that to associate that in with, with gender. Did't even come to me, It so was when the Paul came to complain about me that I am trying to make this into a Bisiakov and I on the bus, you know, remember the days when they were separating people on buses that's how it made it sound.
0: I have a theory what happened. Ari was not sitting with his girlfriend and then he wanted he blamed you <laughs> and then it came back to you.
3: I can't even remember if Ari was on the bus, but yeah, and he definitely did not complain about me he was such a sweet kid, yeah, so I don't know but. I got into trouble that time. And it was like a shock to me because I didn't even think in those terms.
1: Right. So there's only really one instance where anything like that, of that sort came up?
3: More or less.
1: Yeah, my... One, one,
3: one, one, but one time, one of the presidents, I don't remember when I went through so many presidents, complained that I advised a child in Ila Torah to go to the yeshiva for high school. I did, many times. I, I, I told children... What was better for what I thought was better for them, okay, either to their parents or to the children. Or I would say, you would love the yeshiva. You know, if I felt this kid like Ari Shoshan, you know the story sure. of Ari Shoshan. I
0: don't know the story, but. Yeah. He was actually on our. I mean, he, our in
3: fourth ship. grade, I told his mother, he's going to be a rabbi. I said, there is nothing doing. There is nothing you're going to do in, your traject- in his trajectory that would change that.
0: But what about his brother?
3: Danny, I wasn't sure about. <laughs> but he <laughs> surprised us all. Yes. Yeah, right. But at that time, I wasn't sure and about they didn't, Danny. And they didn't believe
1: you. You knew that from fourth grade.
3: Mother said, he's not going to become a rabbi. What are you talking about? That's not what we have plan for him. But then when I came to visit in Phoenix, for Shabbos, I wanted to be, in, I heard so many nice things about Ari's shoe. I wanted to be in his shoe. So I called him to ask him where, where he told me David. have a, an agreement with a hotel that's right next door, and they, they do everything to enable your shop stay there. And he said to me, you were invited to come to me for lunch. First of all, I went to school in the morning. He talked about his teacher who was sitting in the audience. That was embarrassing enough. <laughs> Gave me a ton of compliments. And then when we went to his house for lunch, I was so proud of him. I mean, he's such a, an amazing leader. He got up in the middle of lunch, he went to the bookcase. he took out a. Homage would look like Homish. And there were about twenty people in the room. We were just two of the guests. Many, many guests. And he said, I want to show you everybody this homish This was given to me by my fourth grade teacher. And she predicted right there and then that I will become one day a Talmud Chachal. I gave it to him Praswit Philafa and he said one day
0: Did you write the same thing for Josh? <laughs> Can I just can't get I don't over. Think I'm a so. smart leader. I, <laughs> I, don't I, think I can't so. get over Josh. I'm shocked. I'm I shocked.
3: I was not convinced Josh is gonna be <laughs> a rabbi. I am not a rabbi. Never
1: know. One day. Yeah. Um and in my day you were the head of Judaic Studies. No longer I don't think you were teaching classes. Right. I remember I right. mentioned earlier in the episode before you got here earlier in the day that I was coming from Schechter. And you were very enthusiastic about me coming, and you tested me. I think it was Chomish Rashi, something of the sort. I don't know how well I did, but you were you, very really pr- promoting, you know, me to come to the school, my <laughs> younger sister, and eventually also, I don't know, going to the Yeshiva. I don't know if you were involved in that decision, but um, at, at what point did you transition to being the head of the department rather than teaching?
3: I think it was maybe 1995. Because I remember that they came to me to take over. First, they wanted me to take over just the middle school.
2: You have to forgive you all. 1995 was a big year for him. So he's in his brain.
1: He's, he's, he's getting well, excited he's, right now. He, yeah, what is happened like, in 95? He just triggered a lot of know.
2: memories for him. I
1: not know to
0: about. <laughs> the senior so. year of high school, you always averaging a lot of points. <laughs> okay. Didn't do anything at Sarajak, though. <laughs> oh. I won't get into that right now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. What yeah, year yeah, did
3: yeah. you graduate high school?
0: High oh. school '95, <laughs> and I was '91 mm. okay. from Hilotora. You spent what 40 years at Hilotora, almost?
1: 40 years, almost. You retired in the past couple of years, right? I saw. The I'm pictures. still involved. You were there today for a and
3: tomorrow have, I'm going to mentor two teachers.
1: What are you most proud of as your legacy in Hilotora in those?
3: I mean, the years? most pr- proud of is the, uh, when I look at my students, like the three of you. That's what makes me proud. You don't even realize how proud it makes More me than those
0: two, but yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you had so much more potential.
3: <laughs> no, I'm, I'm serious about that. You know, like for me, that's the, the I don't think students understand how much pride teachers take when they look at them, especially after they move down in life and they come back and you look at them and you're like, they bring so many memories and, and look at all the potential that was unleashed in them and look where they got and, Most of the times I'm very proud of them.
0: Do you sometimes, like, just take a step back, like, I can't believe that person became, you know, that individual, either so successful, like, they just didn't have it together at all, and all of a sudden they became this great success, or vice versa, someone had so many signs of, you know, success and, you know, to become a leader, and they just, you know, they can't find themselves. Yeah,
3: most of the time I'm on target. Okay. Whoever I thought would go places. But many a times I'm surprised, usually for the, for the better. better. Yeah. I don't get to see the ugly side. And did you only teach fourth school. grade
0: or did you also teach other grades? I
3: taught every single grade except for first
0: grade. Really? Did yeah. Ray Brockenstein call you by your name or did he call you Friedman? I think he called me Tamar. Oh, okay. Yeah. Why, well, you remember no, I mean, you no, from fourth grade? <laughs> no, not Mrs. Friedman. I'm just, uh, a student. I'm just saying, yeah, like yeah. I can see him walking in a room and just like looking at me and say, Goldberg. You well, know? Okay. No, no, I understand. But like, he, no, he, like he, he, just, he, he did say him it freedom. Right, like right, right. He just like comes in a room. Right. Especially and says, like, in front of the students, yes.
1: right. I want to talk to you a little bit about your, your prolific with your recumbent bike rides. And lots of other things. I've heard stories about concerts. Maybe a little Aretha Franklin at Ravinia. I've heard about- Last uh, night uh, I went all, to a concert. Who'd guys? you see?
3: Frank Desi. Who's that? That's my favorite band in the world.
1: What's Funkadessi? I'll show you a little.
2: You know that I once met Mr. Freeman at a concert in Ravinia.
1: No uh, way, James Who? James Taylor. Really?
2: Oh
3: yeah, that's possible. <laughs> I, I mean, I <laughs> sure ride bet. my bike to the to the jazz festival and to the blues festival in the beginning at the end of the summer at Grand Park. At Grand Park, I come on my bike. I sit down.
1: You're big into live music.
3: Relax, yeah. I love I love reggae music. <laughs> reggae is my favorite. And last night was a I think it was a. Do you listen to Spotify? Did you
1: get a rap?
0: Do you know about that? It Did you play, music. <laughs> Did you play a musical no. instrument?
1: I,
3: I'm also part of a band, I'll tell you right oh. away. Oh, you uh. didn't know about my band? Okay. <laughs> well, what kind of
0: band? By the way, this is our second guest who's been part of We had Rifki as oh, right? uh, Formas. Oh, correct. correct. Which Rifki? As Formas.
1: Funk Adesi. I'm looking it up right now. This? Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. What is this? It's like new age. Ah, So okay, so that's where,
1: one of their favorite songs. Where where did you see them?
3: I saw them at Old Time School of Music.
1: Oh, nice. Okay, yeah. So you see music a lot. You go I follow them. I
3: follow them. What's the name of that, uh, uh, that venue in Evanston? Space. 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 They, I saw them once in Space. I saw them one on Randolph. On Randolph Street. What's it called that music venue? Venue. Something winery city, winery city. winery. They even have kosher wine there, by the way. do they really? Yeah. I didn't know. They that. have one or two collections and so I like to go to the city. What's winery? the best show? You,
1: what's the best show you ever saw?
3: Spring, what's his name? Springsteen. I have no idea. Yeah, Springsteen.
0: That was the best you ever saw.
3: I, that was one of the best one. Neil Diamond ones. Have
0: you ever seen a Steve Miller band? No. <laughs> <laughs> I've been to one. I've, been to one, I've been to one concert in <laughs> my life. No, but, that was it. But in
1: 1993. <laughs> Tomorrow you're out and about. From what I understand, you know the city well. You go to places like Greece to go bike riding. I saw on your YouTube channel you actually have taped yourself doing some recumbent biking on the South Shore, stuff like that. Really? Oh my yes. gosh, you looked
3: that far. I stopped posting <laughs> on social media a long time ago. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, Just a very fun person. All I, I, I actually want remember. The first, my first exposure to your husband was, I remember, you know, you are in the yeshiva, the rabbis and stuff. It's a little kind of rough around the edges, could be sometimes, not to say that about anyone in particular, but I remember getting into your car on Perm. We got a ride from somewhere to somewhere, and I remember the, the Matis Yahoo album had come out, and it was oh. such a big thing among the students, right? And I remember... That your husband, he's got a long beard and, and he is a great of it, everything. And but just the attitude was you put on the album and you said, Listen to this, listen to this. You know, and you just sing to your husband and he's and he's just in there bobbing and singing, Oh, schmuck, schmuck. That's great, great. You know, there's he, just this, he doesn't uh, have that guys, much understanding of music. The, you guys have the energy, you know, where, where does that yeah, come from? Yeah, he does from? have a lot of energy. Both, my I mean, both of you, but where right. does that come from?
3: Each one of us comes from where we came from, but we the energy got together, you know yes yeah we so, both we both have a lot of energy so hopefully you, positive energy
1: only positive energy teaching yeah. the generations having right. fun seeing funk right. what's going on in florida you're going there soon going yeah. for some time the city will miss you but yeah. uh yeah. what do you like to do down there Learn how the, do you spend your free time now that you're retired a little bit i have i, seen I took my bike I,
0: i've actually seen them on vacation in florida we were both at a hotel in bell harbor and, oh, all terrible. Yes, and I, I actually have a funny story. So this was during, like right after, whatever, like during COVID, and I was still giving the DAF via Zoom, and Tamara wanted to sort of like join me while I was giving the DAF. So I sort of had to hide where I was giving the DAF so she wouldn't see me. Why really? why, why? were you opposed I, to her being? I, I, I was You're saying as a
1: teacher, it's a yeah, little embarrassing. Yeah. She could have you have us.
0: nothing to worry about. I, I,
3: I had participated live in truly Bornstein's show. Oh, yeah? You invited me to the show. Oh, really? And I sat in the back, and I asked a question in the middle.
1: Really? Yeah. How far along are you? When are you going to make your first Seema shots? I'm
3: on, I'm on kebab.
1: What? On what? Kavav. Are you saying Babakam? No, I know, Babakam. Babakam. but, but where, you started on Brujos?
3: Yeah, I started January of 2020. What, what, prom, he, in, what
1: prompted that? Why only now?
3: I figured, you know, first of all, when I was growing up, Gemara was not for girls at all. And I always wanted to do it, but I was always so, so busy. But here I was... I, I was with my retirement looming ahead. And I said, I need a project of learning in my retirement. What could be? I don't know if I'm gonna go back to sit in a school, you know, college or that, get my doctorate, I didn't. didn't. So I decided, I mean, I love Torah. I'm so well versed in Torah. Why can't I expand my Jewish knowledge to include all the treasures that were given to us by Hazal? Sure. That's what convinced me. I don't think my either one of my grandparents would have approved. Probably not. Maybe we're proven. With-
0: You're a trailblazer. You I mean, do your defi- own thing. definitely
3: in my in my community in my family.
0: I should send her the Zoom
1: link. How does that get along? Chair. Do you have a relationship with? Like, for example, I actually asked your husband the morning of, I was going to this DC rally, for example. Oh yeah, and talking so, about Mat- Mat- so yeah. Uh Yeah, talking about Matisyahu. So I'm going to the DC rally. So me and Efraim Perro came up to him after diving and said, you know, we're going, it's a big event. You know, Rebbe, you give us a bracha that we should be. He gave Yeah, he said, and, and then afterwards, I thought to myself, wait a second, I just saw this video. Your of, cousin, my your cousin, cousin came out, uh, you know, um, hover was Moses such an embarrassment. People <laughs> said to me,
3: is this Rotskin, is he your cousin?
0: No, different story. Not
3: only is he my cousin. I remember him coming to our house. He was the American boy that his parents sent him to learn in Israel in
1: the Mir. He's younger than you. He's older than me. Uh huh. And so yeah. coming out strong, but, you know, strong against, you know, being, you know, together. With I the thought secular it was terrible. I was, thought it was terrible. So when it came to that, I remember I asked your husband <laughs> what does he think. He said, "No, Tamara, cousin, she has her own day. She she's got her own opinion. It's fine. You could you could rely on her." You know the Dafyomi, the traveling, the recumbent biking. You pave your own path. You've been an inspiration for. Thank you. you I mean, the way you describe
3: it, it sounds like I'm like something different or special. I'm not.
1: I think I speak for all of us that we all think that you are very special. Uh, Thank you. You've been in educating generations of Chicago, including ourselves. Really, you're a unicorn. A unicorn, uh you well, and your husband both have so much to be proud of here in the city. Well, it, it, and I think around you know, around the country, around the world, really in Israel, I'm sure if you if you take back and look back at all your students and
0: all the people that have I'm very come, proud of my students. Across, that's my great pride and joy. I just want to point out, you know, one thing. You know, a lot of people, especially when they're, you know, not necessarily teaching, you know, in an institution that's all the way to the right, a lot of times people have chips on their shoulder. And there is nobody more proud than in terms of what she does, and, you know, and who she supports and who she teaches and, you know, what she teaches and the life that she lives. And, you know, that's something very, you know, very admirable. So You know, I'm
3: very proud of my contribution to Hiro Torah because I think that this combination of me, right? that the Haredi nope. side and the dedication to Torah learning.
0: But sometimes you have teachers there who are like, a little embarrassed, like where they teach. I teach at a co-ed school or, you know, but I don't mm. see my kids. there. like, maybe they're always making... Maybe your No, no, I hear what you're saying. No, like, no, you're yeah. making excuses. But she did not make any excuses. No, I'm very... Not apologetic.
3: I'm very proud of where I am and what, I'm very proud of what I brought to you in Torah because I brought a level of limut that I believe without me maybe not have been there. The, the emphasis I put on, on programs like Chidon Tanach. And promoting excellence in our students. Oh, I never did that.
0: It's too hard. It's too Uh, much.
3: The levels, the Israeli, the Shtichut program is one of the things that I most most yeah. I worked so hard to help the Shahim become beloved teachers and for their students to be able to get the most out of the Israeli scholarship out of them possible. Not not every school that brings Shakim is successful. Many times it's a big failure. One toy is one of the one of the schools that can take pride that we made our Shulchan program successful, and I take a lot of credit for that.
1: Well, you have a lot to take credit for. We wish you only the best, and we wish you to have continue having fun, continue learning, continue uh, seeing success in your children and in your students. We appreciate you coming on.
3: Thank you for giving me the you. opportunity. <laughs>